Hello, welcome to Blades Pod. My name's Ben. It's Tuesday, the 23rd of April. I guess I have to apologise to the tens and yeah, it was probably tens to be fair, not hundreds. Tens of people who tweeted me yesterday demanding a podcast immediately after the whole game, but my voice was not there. Uh, I was pretty achy and just generally needed to kind of, um, I don't know, organise my thoughts into something more interesting than just wanting to basically shout expletives at the sky. So yeah, here it is. Uh, United beat Hull 3-0 yesterday. Uh, promotion is very much uh, within our grasp, I suppose, with uh, with one final job to do. But uh, an, an incredible day out, um, amazing performance. One of my probably all-time favourite experiences watching United. A really, really just special occasion, I think, being there yesterday. And yeah, hopefully we'll have more of the same this weekend. As I say, one job left to do. But yeah, in this one, we're going to talk about uh, the culmination of an extremely good Easter for Sheffield United. I do, of course, have Jay Blades Analytic joining me to talk about it. So yeah, thanks for downloading and listening. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Thanks a lot. Hello, Jay. Welcome to the podcast once again. How are you doing today, mate? I'm oh, bloody fantastic. Yeah, I think that's that's one of my very favourite uh, United memories. I think just just made at the KCOM yesterday. Um, just just amazing. Um, you know, just felt like it was such a big game. We talked about it beforehand. You know, we'd said it's potentially uh, a kind of tricky game. You know, even though we sort of talk, talk down Hull's home form a little bit, they were still the eighth best. Team, uh, home team in the division, and you know their fans seem to hate us for some reason. <laughs> they have uh, they have uh, ex manager Nigel Ikin, so yeah, it was it was kind of a game that could have could have gone wrong for us, I suppose. But I mean, from the first minute, we just we just showed what we're all about. It was you know one of our better performances of the season, I think, and yeah, incredible atmosphere, quite emotional to be honest. Um, you know, I, I think my. Uh, well, he's admitted it on Twitter, so I'm happy repeating it. My dad basically started crying when the third goal went in. <laughs> That's how kind of like intense it all was, and yeah, just uh, just almost almost stunning. Couldn't quite believe what I was seeing. You know, being being there and seeing United do the business in you know what was the biggest game of the season for us, I guess. And uh, yeah, now there's a, a slightly bigger one on the horizon, but. I mean, yeah, just I'm so just so elated by what we showed yesterday and how we played, you know, the way we just went for the jugular, got 3-0 up and then we're basically like, yeah, if you just want to knock the ball around Hull for the rest of the game, that's kind of fine by us. We'll save some legs in the sunshine. But yeah, what, what did you think watching it? Uh, so I... I... <sighs> It's hard because I wasn't I wasn't able to go, so I've watched it back twice just for fun. <laughs> That's um, understandable. It just because it is the first time. It is just it's just, it's a, the first forty five minutes are a glorious watch, basically, mm. aren't they? You know, I think hey, it's clear to as daylight that after that we just made sure that a, a villa didn't happen, shall we say? Yeah, and just did, did the job professionally as, as possible while still creating the odd moment, but generally just did the job. They didn't exactly defend deep, but. You know, just contained anything that Hull did, and and they had, you know, one effort at the end, which was fielded nicely by Henderson. But I just, it was, it, it felt even, even watching it back a second time to you know a day after the event, it still felt 
emotional. Yeah. It still felt like this was a, just a, we've had loads and I'm sure we'll get to them if certain things happen in the next week. But it just felt like just, I, I can't explain it. Like the crescendo, if you will, of the season, it felt like it had peaked and that first 45 minutes was just a bit of everything. Although we probably have been better in other games this season. That's the best we've been for a while. Yeah, that's that's probably a fairer assessment. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought so. I mean, all the stats back that kind of that up without creating chance after chance. Our average formation line was really high in Hull's half. Our pressing intensity in the first half was much higher than Hull. It's the highest it's been for a while. It just looked like we were playing front foot football. Obviously, the, the earlyish goal helped and. Just, I mean, we've spoken about it now for the last three or four pods, just the effect and influence of David McGoldrick. And it just peaked, didn't it? It yeah. just peaked. I mean, the header was brilliant. Let's be fair, the header from the corner was great. Great delivery from Fleck. But then that 25-yard screamer. I mean, yeah. I, I'm going to let you take... Well, we were right behind. So, I mean, yeah, let's just, we can start by talking about the goals, I suppose. So, I mean, yeah, in that first half, we we pretty much looked like we were going to score with every attack. I mean, we obviously scored three goals. Uh, Egan missed a sitter from a corner. Um, I I don't know how he didn't get this on target. He got so much space and he was about eight yards out. Really should have scored. Stevens had a a shot pretty close in that was blocked. Hogan was played in by Fleck and uh, his shot was blocked as well. And, yeah, it, it, it was carnage in their penalty box, basically. We were so incisive, and obviously we scored three goals. And, yeah, the first of them comes from our first corner, which, do you know, this was weird. I I actually, and this kind of contributes to the sort of slightly unreal sense of this first half, I, it took me a moment to realise that this goal had stood because um, McGoldrick, as the corner's about to come in, whoever's marking him gets a massive handful of his shirt, and it's almost yeah. off his back, and... The way he suddenly is completely free and like almost like everyone else had stopped. I thought the referee had like had stopped play and was about to like warn the defender like before the corner had come in. But no, he just um it's actually having seen it again, it's another of our super clever um blocking techniques. Um I, I really yeah. want to not to segue too much here, but I, I I'd love an expert's opinion on whether this will be a foul with VAR because Craney just stands there. And McGoldrick's run bends his defender, his marker, into Craney, who isn't even looking at the defender he blocks. It's McGoldrick's movement. And it, it actually, it, there was a thing in uh, in basketball, it's like a, a, a stack, basically, where you just basically put all four, um, all four players, and then you've obviously got the fifth player inbounding the ball, all four in like a line. So yeah. you're basically just running all the defenders into each other, and then you split off in different directions. And that's essentially what we did. We had four or five players in a line, and then McGoldrick just bends his run basically to brush Craney's shoulder. He gets completely free, and yeah, he's not going to miss from there. So that was 1-0. Um, it kicked off a little bit around us. I was on the the very edge of the United fans, um, so there's like one guy and then some netting and then the whole fans, and it became very quickly apparent at this point there was quite a lot of uh, United fans in the home end. Which you know, <laughs> give us some more tickets. There's half your stadium's empty. The tennis was fourteen thousand. Come on, um, and then yeah, the McGoldrick second goal just just incredible just encapsulates everything that's great about him you know he he challenged he essentially wins a, an aerial duel against a couple of their players um brings it down he has four players around him at this point and just one sort of check inside buys a space and then he hits this curling shot which i've probably watched about 30 times by now on youtube but we were we were right behind it where we were sat and as soon as it kind of like 
arced. You just knew it was in. You could see that uh, George Long wasn't going to get near it. And yeah, that was 2-0. And then 3-0, wing back to wing back, Bolduck crosses, Stevens comes in. It's just one of those moments again where I was like celebrating before Stevens had even headed it. So you just... It just you just got that unreal feeling of like this is our day we we've turned up we're just gonna basically take the Mickey and just finish all these chances and yeah that was that was three 0 at half time and yeah we had some further chances in the second half Fleck had a, uh, a a good chance saved I think that was our other big chance in the game actually um, off McGoldrick's flick and there was that was know, brilliant it football was fantastic one. football yeah um, I mean we we looked like we could have scored more if we wanted to but I think there was a sense of like trying to conserve a bit of energy. It was hot, you know, half the pitch was in sunshine. We put a lot of effort into that first half as well. So, yeah, it wasn't totally surprising to me that we didn't go on to score more goals, but could easily have done so. But, yeah, McGoldrick, uh, I mean, it, just just unbelievable. We've talked about him, you know, with, with a lot of praise pretty much all the way through the season. You know, he's had a few games that hasn't been quite on it, you know, Birmingham away recently, for example, but... This was this was just a masterclass, and uh, yeah, fifteen goals for the season, not bad for a, a free signing who's perpetually injured apparently. So, yeah, I, I love him. He's uh, he's in incredible form at, at just the right time, and yeah, it just felt like one of those like very special days of like we, we are cementing what you, I, and plenty of other blades have been saying for a very long time that this is one of the best couple of teams in the league. And do you know what, mate? If we if we win our game on Saturday against Ipswich, we actually go top of the league for at least a few hours. It's crazy. I know, I know. I know. God knows what's happened to Norwich. They are tripping over the line, aren't they? But yeah, maybe the pressure's off them now because of what happened on Saturday evening. So they're probably they are promoted really in reality now. Yeah, I mean, uh, we haven't even talked about Leeds, have we? <laughs> I mean... No. Well, and we shouldn't, quite frankly, because we, you know, regardless, even if they would have won that game, we were still superb and would have, for me, would have still looked like, you know, comfortably the team to, to probably get promoted because we had Ipswich and, and Stoke. Compared yeah, to I, mean, below. I mean, the situation would be the same, right? We'd still be saying, yeah. if if we beat Ipswich, we are probably promoted because Leeds will need to uh, better our result. Uh, or match or better our result, I think. No, we'd need to better our result in the last game of the season. It, yeah, uh, yeah. What we'd be saying is basically win two games and we're promoted. Yeah, is what we'd be saying because of the goal difference factor. So, you know, but then Saturday evening did happen, and you know, as we kind of be, thought it might, it had to be a team in red and white, didn't it? Just oh, to no. really rub it in as well. And and to be fair, they were. We've always said it. You said it brilliantly, which is Brentford are. They're not just us. They're kind of every pod darling who do the championship, who look at stats and things. And Brentford are. On their day, we've always said it, they're a top 16. Uh, and they proved it, didn't they? They were brilliant, weren't they? Um, I watched it and I know everyone, everyone around the world now wants to sign Neil Marpe and Sergi Canos. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I'm sure, we, you know, they don't. But it, it was, uh, it, it was just a, it was a great moment, not because Leeds lost, but because what it meant for us. Um, you know, celebrations are around everywhere. I was in a pub and there was my, me and three other Blades and Lincoln who were just going nuts. Um, this this random result, which we shouldn't be bothered about, which we clearly are, and it's just it was brilliant because it there's a big job to do, and we should. We're not footballers, so we don't have to live by ifs and buts. We're fans, and we're supposed to enjoy moments like this. Of course, we are, but we should negate all of this by saying, with a caveat, we have to go and do a job on Saturday. And this league and Sheffield United's history has proven anything can and will happen. We do have to have a slight caveat on that. But if you could pick a team to play. On Saturday, you would pick Ipswich at home. You really would. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I looked at this earlier because I saw somebody post it that uh, they said that Ipswich's form is, uh, is actually not too bad since Lambert took over. It's awful. Well, awful. 15 games before Lambert was there, uh, I think they had nine points. It was 0.6 points a game since Lambert's taken over, which is 30 games. It's 0.63 points per game. So te- technically, he has improved them by 0.03 points a game. So good job by you. Um, yeah, you're right. There's, there's no formalities in football because it's it's football. But as you say, if we could if we could pick a team to seal promotion against, it's a team that is already relegated. That unlike say Wigan and Millwall in the last few weeks have something to play for. I mean, look, we we've just seen what happens when you play a mediocre to poor team in the last couple of games who have nothing to play for. We've yeah. swept them aside, and yeah, um, I, you know, I've, I've seen a few people being a little bit nervous about uh, about Saturday, which. I don't wow. understand. I'm, I'm buzzing. I can't wait. Like I wasn't even nervous about yesterday because it's it's you know it's just exciting. If you know what I mean, you know. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. There are stakes, and the stakes are very high. But I mean, come on, this could be incredible. Like, and even if you know something, it doesn't go our way. It's not like we, you know, we get another bite of the cherry the next week. Then, but yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty confident we will. I mean, I don't know how you can't be having watched yesterday. You know the. Yeah. The calmness of the players, like right from the start, just the the attitude, the effort they put in, you know, the the scenes at the full time whistle, which I'm sure you've seen uh, on on United social media, um, just amazing. No, it's not complacency. It's just like this is just culminating in what we all hoped and <laughs> didn't really dream would happen. Because uh, I don't know, it's it's far beyond that. Um, so it's yeah. Just- a bit of perspective, and I've I've been trying to tweet out some things today as a bit of a not not celebrating, nowhere near celebrating, but just to put perspective what we have done by catching leads mm. at the minute and having this this cushion since that game against Derby on Boxing Day. For anyone who hasn't seen the tweets, Sheffield United have won the most games in the league and have only lost two games in the next twenty after that game against Derby. Yeah, we've lost two games away at Swansea at home to Bristol City, like. We have to lose. Uh, all right, we could draw both, but predominantly we're going to have to lose one of the final two for Leeds. We have, you know, we lost two games in twelve, and we've played Leeds, Norwich away. We, this side is unbelievable. Yeah, they have a level of consistency which none of us have really, even us, we haven't really appreciated to be honest. Because you've had the odd draw in there, especially recently, or the odd not great performance. None of us have actually appreciated the consistency with which these guys have churned out results. They have been, no one else, not Norwich, who have unbeaten in God knows how many games. No one has matched us from basically January onwards. Yeah, we are an exceptional team. I was looking earlier, and uh, yeah, we, uh, you know, we do tend to bounce back from adversity, and I include draws in that adversity as well. You yeah. know, like the sort yeah. of like the kicking the teeth draws, like uh, obviously like Villa away, like uh, yeah. Millwall at home, like Stoke at home. Um, only once this season have we gone more than two games without a win, um, and that was Forest away uh, Wednesday at home, Rotherham away. Every That's other right, time yeah. we've got back to winning ways quickly. Um, but yeah, the, the halfway point of the season, we were ten points behind Leeds. We're now three points ahead of them. Um, I mean, you That's... mentioned you mentioned the amount of times we haven't lost. Uh, you know, we, we keep coming back to it because Leeds keep keep. Adding them up, they what is that? Is that nine losses in twenty games for them or something? Nine losses in twenty games. I mean, that's not good at all. I mean, they don't draw many. Is the only thing to say, but you know, you, you can't really lose nine games in twenty, and you know, probably be at the top of the league. But that's the problem, isn't it? I, I don't want to get onto Leeds, but that is their issue. They don't draw games. They they don't. 
the, the saying in football, and you know, we're, we're I'm a stats guy. You're a good, good, knowledgeable fan. We try and be a bit more analytical about these things. But a typical saying, and it sums up this team: is if you don't win, don't lose. Yeah, that's what we've done. We, we, we you know, we couldn't quite be good enough to win away at Norwich, but we didn't lose. We weren't quite good enough to win at Birmingham, but we didn't lose. Yeah, and actually. I mean, there's so many connotations to what you could add up as to what meant what over a season. that It's impossible. It means what it is at the end of the season. But, you know, the fact that we just are so hard to beat and this defensive record, I mean, it's ridiculous, again, if anyone, if anyone hasn't seen the tweets, so in that time, since that Derby game, I think we've conceded 12 in 20 games, which works out as about 0.66 per game. I know mm. that's just a decimal number for anyone listening, so I'll put a bit of context, context behind that. I've looked at the European top five leagues, as well as the championship, so Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga. And what you see is only two teams have a better defensive record in that time, and that's Man City and Atletico Madrid. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, Atletico Madrid are probably one of the best defensive sides there is around, ever, maybe, when you look at the defenders they've got. And then Man City don't concede goals because they predominantly have the ball at the pitch. Yeah, probably one of, if not the greatest Premier League team of all time. Premier League teams ever. Yeah. And, and the records are so tight with this defence. And this defence has been put under it as well. Yeah. You know, I'd compare us more to that athletic defence in the sense that we've had to defend for that record. And they have. And when you think that three of those goals came against Aston Villa in a 10-minute collapse and three against Bristol City in a random home game. Yeah. I know you can't do that, but my, just in other games, what I think, I think it's gone completely under the radar just how amazing this side have been. It really, I don't think none of us, me or you included, and we are the positive ones, have actually given this side enough credit. I actually don't think we have. It's, it's very difficult to, really. Um, but yeah, it's 10 clean sheets in our last 13 games. And yeah, I, I, think, I think that second half yesterday kind of emphasised why, why that record exists, I suppose, because we were yeah. pretty content to ha- let Hull have the ball. Hull ended up with as many shots as us. They had 11 shots, same as we did over the course of the game. But they were just poor shots. They were, you know, they had two on target, and I can't even remember one of them. It can't. I mean, it must have been a deflected into Henderson's hands or something. Because from watching, from actually being at the game, I thought their first shot on target was in the 82nd minute. Uh, I think with Jackson Irving had one from edge area, which was just straight at Henderson. Like you know, he he basically just knelt down and uh, barely even used his hands to stop it. Um, yeah. But but that was it in a nutshell. It was like. You want the ball? That's fine. If you want, even if you want to get into our attacking third, that's also fine because we're going to push you out wide. We're going to let you shoot from crap areas because we're three 0 up. One of them might fly in, but three of them aren't going to fly in, and we'll we'll just you know see this game out. It's, you're not going to score. I mean, you know, occasionally they were coming inside and, and getting a shot away, but firing it into an absolute wall of bodies. I mean, <laughs> admittedly they weren't helping themselves here because they'd sort of flooded the penalty area as well. So I think some of their own men actually blocked their shots, but. That that was it. It wasn't, and we we've said this before. You know, as good as as good as Egan, Basham, Stearman, O'Connell, Craney, and the wing backs as well. As good as they are defensively, it's the whole team that mean. Yeah. And Henderson as well. I should mention as well. You know, Henderson has been required to make saves on occasion. Has generally done fantastically this season. But it is the whole team. They, you know, we restrict teams to poor shots. We don't give up big chances. Um, and and that's you know always going to put you in with a chance of of drawing a game if you're not playing well, which is as you said is exactly what we've done in those in those tough games or in the odd game where we've not played well recently, like Birmingham away, for example. So yeah, and that's that's why we are where we are and why we are the second best team in the league. And and who knows how that might finish? To be honest, yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I'm trying not to get too reflective because we're for listeners. If 
I mean, we'll do it anyway. If we get promoted, there's no doubt there's going to be a bunch of reflective pods coming out. Yeah, just we want, Just because we want our names associated with a Premier League club, but never mind. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, you can't comprehend how, how much we've learned in the season as well, which is a, a lot of these players are new. Um, sorry, aren't new. We've got the odd ones. We know Norwood, McGoldrick this season. They're not new to the championship, but they're new to this side. But the predomin- predominantly the League One squad is still there. It's been rotated yeah. out, but especially last year's championship squad. And the, the improvement in every single player from last season is, is, is astonishing. But then the, the mental side of that, that game management, that just understanding of, of how to eke out results when you're not great, how to win games from not creating a bunch and how to capitalise and be a bit more clinical. You know, that, that, that's not just a technique thing. That is a mentality as well. To, we didn't create loads yesterday. I say we had a great spell for the first half an hour where we looked like we could score from a lot, but actually clear-cut chances... We didn't create loads, but we, we'd already taken the three that we needed to. Yeah. Uh, and that was enough. And, you know, we're going to get, we'll, eventually we'll get into player of the season things, you know, on another pod. But I, I just marvel at our third goal because it's everything that Sheffield United are. It's everything that Sheffield United are. George Baldock's average position for the game was higher than Mark Duffy in line with David McGoldrick. He was basically wow. playing where Lionel Messi does on the right wing. <laughs> That's where his average position was. And he's, by the way, he's coming up against Kamal Grzycki, left winger. Mm. You know, yeah, I mean, uh, shout out to him and Stevens because they were matched up against their two most dangerous players, the other one being Jared Bowen. And, uh, I mean, it's an exaggeration to say they didn't have a kick, but they did hard, very little dangerous yeah. in the whole game. Well, h- hardly. I mean, Stevens actually is on the average position map. I know he ends up scoring a goal in the penalty spot which is just this just this just goes to show how, how amazing it is I mean yeah. average position isn't the greatest thing in the world because you know if you're up and down up and down it'll take the middle basically yeah. but Stevens is actually with the back three almost he's in our half which is rare for Ender in terms of he spent a lot of his game time around about that, that middle third rather than the final third mm. but the runs he did make were efficient and that is the same as that Forest goal that he scored. Ender's learned this ability to, to drive and make efficient outputs now so he makes a difference yeah. Whereas last season he may have been there a lot, but didn't even have the final ball or, or was in the wrong wrong timing, if you will, of his run. He's now completely efficient. I mean, that that header was on an XG model was about an eight percent chance of going in. Mm. I, I I get that it was a great ball by Baldock. I get it was a lovely build up with the throw in into Craney, you know, centre back on the edge of the opposition box. Yeah, hello, Chris Wilder. <laughs> you know, all that's amazing, but he's absolutely bulleted that in, hasn't it's, he? From our, it is beautiful. Ridiculous. Like I said, I just. I just was celebrating like almost before he'd headed it. I don't know, just such such belief at the moment in in how we're playing. But yeah, it's just. I mean, let, I, let's focus on a, a couple of other players actually, because um, I, I want to just highlight Fleck, who I thought this was probably his, Fleck was great, possibly yeah. his best game of the season. Absolutely fantastic, I thought. Just at winning the ball, driving forward. I noticed he had he had the most ball recoveries for United with eleven, which is is quite unusual for him actually. You know, usually that's a, yeah. a Norwood or a Basham stat. Um, and seven of those were in the middle third or higher as well. So, you know, he's very successful at winning as the ball high up the pitch. And yeah, if, if only he could have uh, saved that, uh, sorry, scored that shot um, in the second half, that would have been a, a, I was having sort of Northampton flashbacks of like, you know, is, is Fleck yeah. going to score the goal that kind of caps it? Obviously wouldn't have clinched anything, but yeah, I thought he was excellent. Um, Steven, yeah, most- you, sorry, go on. I was going to say, I'd added to Fleck, most key passes. So most chances created for us. Yeah. Most passes on the pitch as well. Um, out of him and Norwood, the best pass accuracy, which is quite rare. And the other thing is, which is really surprising, is just number of touches, number of ball involvements. Norwood mm. was actually really far down. We actually bypassed Norwood the whole game, predominantly. 
Um, the actual most number of touches was Stevens with 62, then it's Baldock with 58, and then Fleck with 54. Right. It's really interesting. We, we played seriously wide. I think that was apparent. Well, I think but also, was- I think we... Sorry to interrupt that. I think we got... Um, I think we got forward quickly and efficiently. I, I thought this was yes. really striking. Two-thirds of our passes in the game were in Hull's final third, so 66% of all our yep. passes were in that dangerous area. Um, so, yeah, we were able to get it forward and keep it in that area really, really well. I mean, you know, we gave up possession in the second half, so it ended up being about, I think, 60-40 in Hull's favour, but first half was even, and territory overall was very much in our favour. I think we're 57% territory. So, yeah, I, th- I thought that was very striking, and I guess that backs up what you're saying about Norwood not having as many touches because no. we bypassed him, we were getting it into feet up front. You know, Hogan was, uh, was you know, running all over the place. McGoldrick was playing like a, a man possessed. Baldock was pushing on. Baldock was amazing in this game. I think this was his best game of the season as well. I mean, some yeah. of the effort he put in. I mean, you, I don't know if you remember it. We, it's quite late in the game, and he... He dribbles. I think he try. Okay, yeah, he's got the ball on the right wing, and he tries this sort of. I don't know what you what you call it, but it's like Ronaldo used to do it. That sort of like almost like yeah. chop, chops his feet and ducks inside onto his left foot, and he gets yeah. tackled, and the whole player's bringing it away, and Baldock just runs after him, crunches into a tackle, wins it back, and we've got it again. And that's in you know, I mean, you can see the sweat dripping off him in the in the heat. I know it's only nineteen degrees, but come on, that's hot for England. Um, and the amount of effort he'd put in, obviously a cracking cross for another assist as well. And yeah, I, I thought this was a, a fantastic showing from him after, you know, I don't think he was uh, particularly good against Forest of the week, but yeah, this this was absolutely top stuff from him, I thought. I uh, 100% agree. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that what you say about the final third because it was, it's the, probably the accusation that could be levelled at us. I mean, I'm not comparing the two in terms of organisation, but against Birmingham, it was quite slow pedantic possession across the back line trying to find a pass forward wasn't it yeah you know into two banks of four I know Hull don't play that way and they're not as defensive they're probably better going forward but we just we as I said about Stevens the timing of the runs the timing of the pass getting it forward a little bit quicker but not exactly direct because we didn't have Bedeen there it was, it was done in a different way but it was just efficient everything about the performance was efficient and even though we scored three goals and in the first half played really well I didn't even think we got out of third gear I, really? I honestly I, I didn't think watching it back. If you watch that whole ninety minutes back, we we don't we look like we could do more mm. at any given point. I agree on Fleck; he was fantastic. He, he, you know, st- and again, he, even though he was great, you almost think he could do more because that third goal proved that. You know, the way he's just pinging it about, collecting passes, and moving it on. And it, it, what it struck of me is it's just stank of a team that are full of confidence and belief. Yeah, it really. It, they all knew their jobs. They all knew their roles. Martin Craney, absolutely imperious again. Mm. just it doesn't do any you heart that's how good martin craney is you sometimes you don't even notice he's on the pitch definitely because he he does nothing wrong and there's absolutely no indication that we're missing anything from him playing yeah just uh, nothing up i mean you know billy sharp not even playing it's, it's not been an issue yeah we, basham not playing had, yeah basham not playing we've had to deal with injuries and suspensions like just like any other team does but normally that affects you i had the last year that would have killed us and this year, from the squad depth that we've built through Wilders and Paul Mitchell and Alan Hill's brilliant recruitment, and then just the general confidence level and the fact that each of these guys come in and know their role and their job. And we'd be saying the same after a 1-1 draw, to be fair. Hmm. You know, we did say the same after Birmingham. These guys never let you down. Just Egan seamlessly slots back in after they get, you know, like you say, he probably should have scored, but great defensively. He was just, it summed us all up, really. It was an outstanding performance from a bunch of outstanding players and 
thanks to their just hard work and consistency and level-headedness, never getting above themselves, they've now put themselves in a position of, for me, being the best United. I mean, they are already, but if they do it and see it, they're the best United team I've ever seen in my lifetime. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think even if we lose the next two games and yeah. somehow cock it all up and like lose 6-0 to Derby in the playoffs or something like that, I, whoever's going to finish six is pretty rubbish, by the way. Um, yeah, I think still has <laughs> still has to be the best, uh, best United team in... Uh, in my supporting time, definitely. I mean, I don't know whether you heard Wilder's uh, comments afterwards. I think it was on, it might have been on TalkSport actually, uh, not Five Live, but he was saying that uh, he'd said to the players afterwards that before the game, he'd looked round and it just felt felt something. He felt like you're all ready, you're all prepared, you're all calm to go out and do what needs to be done in this game and just basically get help us get over the line. And, that's exactly how I felt as well. I mean, obviously, it's easy to say that having won three 0 but I did feel that, and this is why I'm I'm nothing but excited for Saturday. Um, you know, I I can't wait to see this team again uh, and see them hopefully seal the deal, even though it won't mathematically be sealed. It basically will if we uh, if we win that game. And yeah, I just yeah. I just can't wait. It's, it should be an amazing occasion. Um, hopefully to even top uh, this one yesterday. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's just a couple of other notes from this whole game. What about Agent George Long in Hull's goal? Helpfully letting three shots go through his legs and straight through his hands. And hang on, that's not what happened, is it? Um, Despite what Leeds fans may claim. Happy St. George's Day, everyone. That was, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, hilarious, isn't it? Absolutely. And to be fair to him, you know, uh, especially myself, I've got some pretty good level-headed Leeds fans who have said we have been magnanimous, really, and say if you, if if we go up, which they think we will, but I'm saying if because you can't ever be that confident when you're in the driving seat, can you? But they've <laughs> said when you when you go up, you will fully deserve it, absolutely, just for the level of consistency we've shown and, and ruthlessness to an extent. Mm. You know, just dispatching teams that Leeds have struggled to dispatch, quite frankly. Um, you know, and it, it, it is that it, it's a level of consistency, but. It's hilarious to see, uh, hilarious to see some salty fans out there, isn't it? It's just making Wilder's day. I can't wait for a story about how he has a haircut every three weeks again. It's going to be amazing. Isn't it? <laughs> Do you know? Somehow, I'd never seen that until this week. Have you never seen? I no. watch it every week, every week of my life. If I'm ever feeling slightly down, I just watch that story, <laughs> and it just makes you feel better about life. Honestly, I, can you seen... imagine? I just can't even imagine the state of him if we end up getting promoted. <laughs> I've seen two great bits of video in the last two hours. That was one of them. And the other one was uh, Marcelo Bielsa singing the Greasy Chip Butty song, which is, <laughs> is, is so good. I had to, uh, I had to take, <laughs> I don't want to say it, I had to take my inhaler after watching it for the second or third time. <laughs> I, I actually couldn't breathe. It was so bad. Um, one other player, just to quickly touch on from yesterday, Chris Basham comes off the bench have you ever seen a player play a free role defensively? Because that's basically what he did in this one. I think Wilder must have just said, right, Ash, do you see that round thing? I want just you to chase it. it. <laughs> and I want you to kick it and head it as much as you can in any direction, as long as it's not towards our goal. And that's basically what he did. I mean, he was nominally like a, a sort of right of the centre of midfield, but he suddenly is popping up at left back to clear it. And he's just, it was just everywhere. It was hilarious. I just... Is he made of like the Wolverine steel adamantium or something? How how has how has he recovered? I know it was only a slight hamstring tear; it was more of a precautionary thing than an actual tear. But he shouldn't be ready to play. Not really. I've got mates who are physios in the game, and they're all like, 
what is he made of? Like, what is he? What about what? Why is he even there? There's no reason to bring him on either. What is he doing? I just, the man is a machine. He is an absolute machine. And if you want a man to run around, head it, and kick it, and do that job quite well, Chris Basham is your fella. I mean, have you ever known a player? I mean, obviously, we'll say Sharp, you know, because he's a blade, and Jack O'Connell, because he deserves it, because he's class. But I love the idea that Chris Basham might well be in the Premier League next year. It is incredible. What a turn... I mean, we'll get get on to reflective pod soon enough, but what a turnaround for the man that will be. That'll just seal it, won't it? Yeah. You just know, wherever he goes, he just won't let you down. Did you uh, did you vote for the player of the season? I have. Do, do you want to tell me who it was, or do, do we want to wait? Because I, I I I regret mine. I voted. Oh, last do week. you? I do. Okay. Be- I, now, now you've said that, I need to know. So I, I both stand by it, and I think if you ask if you asked me yesterday, I'd vote for someone else. If you asked me today, I'd vote for someone else entirely, and probably tomorrow I would as well. You have to just give it to everybody. There's like seven or eight people that deserve it, but. I did vote for Billy Sharp because um, his goals have set up our season. I know he's. I know he's. This is why I will stand by it. I felt. I, I felt at the time I was like that's the right person to vote for. You know, without those twenty-two goals or whatever, they they have fired us into this strong position, and then the the rest of the team. You know, McGoldrick suddenly caught fire and and chipped in, and you know, Medine's chipped in with a few goals. Duffy's chipped in with a few goals. We've got goals from everywhere, but yeah, I, 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 I sort of stand by it, but at the same time. I kind of want to vote for McGoldrick. I kind of want to vote for Stevens. Kind of want to vote for about three other players. I mean, I do, I, you and I absolutely love Ollie Norwood, and I, I think I know. I'm sure we'd both agree he is one of United's all-time best signings, value for Ever. money and effect. But yeah. I don't think he'd crack the top three of Player of the Year, and and that is insane. Yeah, that is like from a statistical viewpoint, and how our game has changed from the start of the season when we didn't have Norwood to having Norwood. There is no denying Norwood has made the biggest difference in that. Yeah. There's no denying. We play a completely different way to last season or the start of this season because of Norwood, because of that range of passing, because he balances the whole pitch, because he's better at defending than Lee Evans was, because he mm-hmm. gets the ball forward better. His deliveries. I mean, what, eight, eight nine assists? He's an incredible... Most passes per game in the league. He's an incredible, incredible player. With that, Norwood's in my top three, by the way. That's why I'm harping on, but... I agree with you. Right now, Norwood probably won't win it. And frankly, he'd win it for just about any other team in the league. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, got in the t- he got in the team of the season, voted for by managers. Yeah. That says it all. <laughs> like, other managers literally look at Ollie Norwood and go, why were we scrambling around to buy Ryan Woods for seven million when you got him for two million? Mm. What what went on there? Chris Wilde, Alan Neil and Paul Mitchell is what went on there. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know whether you saw it uh, on on the on the replay, but there was a, a lovely moment at the end of uh, at the end of the game where you know all the players came over to the fans, and then while they basically shoved nil towards all the fans, and it was it was so good. He was clearly just trying to slink off, and then suddenly this because he's quite a uh, you know he's a tall bloke, Neil, and he he doesn't uh, <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to offend him. But he doesn't look like a professional athlete. Put it like that. It's <laughs> you know, quite slight of frame. There you go. That's a polite way. Of yeah, there you go. Uh, and so he sort of like stumbles forward. You know, very uh, I don't know. He, he looked a little bit abashed. I think you know a little bit embarrassed. But yeah, it was uh, it, it was a lovely moment. And then obviously all the fans are singing his name as well as Wilder's. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, just a really really special day. It was. It was uh, everything I, I hoped it could be, but didn't quite believe yeah. that, that it would be in a way. I mean, I, I did think we would win, but I didn't think it would be 
almost a party, you know, almost disbelief for 45 minutes. I mean, at half time, like everyone was still singing. Everyone basically sang all the way through half time because you got obviously uh, carnival. Yeah, loads of stuff going on in the concourse, and that's like ringing through to the ground. So everyone's like, you know, just bursting into song even while there's nothing happening on the pitch whatsoever. It was, yeah, yeah it was, it was I, just amazing, mate. I I told you we were going to win. I said their home <laughs> record was we, a pat on the back for us too. We said their home record was padded. Nothing yeah. to worry about whatsoever. I knew that was going to be all right. But, you know, it's, it's great. I love it whenever Neil gets any credit because uh, national media, whoever, they're all going to be interested in Sheffield United in the next two weeks if it happens. Yeah. And, and let's be honest, I'm going to continue saying it because football's football. But two weeks ago, we had a 27% chance of getting promoted. We've now got a 90% chance, according to most models, of getting promoted. So I think, yep. you know, yep, that also shows you that swings happen, but it also shows you it's, yeah, let's just, yeah, it should happen. But yeah. Wilder will get all the credit, and frankly, deservedly so. But they'll all miss the big factor that is Alan Nil. All of them will miss the fact that Alan Nil pretty much, I think it's fair to say for anyone who does reporting, Alan Nil takes a lot of the training. Alan Nil designs a lot of the system because Wilder's yeah. the man manager. He's the, you know he's a ruthless decision maker. Nil's the coach, uh, and Nil's on the training ground. Set pieces. That's Alan Nil. He's the one who studies Y Scout and these finds these set piece routines and gets the blocks on. That's all Nilly. Um, you know, same as Matt Prestridge, all the science work. We are one of the fittest teams in this league. For Ender yeah. Stevens to be able to have his own song about how he bombs on, that <laughs> should also include Matt Prestridge because he's the one who's made him like that. Yeah. You know, he didn't, he didn't come ready made. We've made him like that. Um, you know, I, I just, I, we'll get to it again. We'll get to it on Reflective Pods, I'm sure, if and when it happens. But you, you cannot underestimate the job and the, the credit that all that backroom staff and all the analysts and everyone deserve because they're, they're all part of knocking out consistent result after consistent result and chasing down. I mean, I think Leeds, you know, despite some some fallacies recently, they're going to go down as one of the better championship teams they've ever beat. Yeah. In terms of quality. So, right, I'm going to have to get off, mate. Yeah, no worries, pal. Um, yeah, take it, you're, you're there on Saturday, aren't you? You managed to get a, get your ticket well in advance. I am, mate, yes. I mean, yeah, just as uh, as amazing as yesterday was, Saturday could be even better. Um yeah, we just have to just have to get the win, any means necessary, any means possible, I suppose, and uh, and then we're we're as we're as good as there. I think we can. I think we can justifiably celebrate if we get the win on Saturday. But yeah, drink it in, Blades is all I'd say in terms of. I don't mean literally drink. I'm sure we'll do plenty of that on Saturday if we win. But yeah, just uh, enjoy the moment because it's yeah, it's it's pretty amazing right now, and uh, hopefully it will continue into the next few weeks as well. Scroll one Saturday. <laughs> nice one. All right. Cheers, Jay. I'll speak to you later, buddy. Good night, mate. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.